Howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 79, and we are picking up with Matthew chapter 7. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So, our last episode in this Matthew Part 1 series. I was like, our last episode ever? You're (laughs) quitting? What? (laughs) I guess I shouldn't have said it like that. (laughs) In this this series. (laughs) In this series. Yes. Before Advent, Christmas. Yes. Yes. So stick around. Make sure you listen all the way to the end to hear what's coming in the next couple weeks because it's going to be awesome. Do you know what's coming? (laughs) I don't know that I'm so sure. (laughs) We'll figure it out. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. So... Um, we're going to pick up on chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, that you be not judged. <laughs> yeah. It's the King's James Trump <laughs> So It's actually not. <laughs> no, it's not. The so I listened to a good sermon on this, and we'll link it. And um, it's by Tabidi. I never know how to say his last name, so I don't even try. Sounds good to me. But uh, he was explaining, and I thought this was a really good point that he drew from this, that the hardest thing, this is what he says, the hardest thing for man to maintain since the fall is balance. And so he talks about this more in his sermon, but I thought it was a really good point as we're studying through the Sermon on the Mount is we see that, right? Like Jesus is like, no, realign your heart to me. Mm -hmm. No, realign your heart to me. No, okay, you're fasting, but you're doing it for other people to see, so realign your heart to me. So we get out of balance. We either get out of balance in wanting to live our own way and not wanting to obey, or we get out of balance in trying so hard to obey that we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We think we're earning our salvation or we want other people to see or whatever it is. So we we have this really hard time balancing. And so I think it's a good kind of thing to remember of everything we've talked about, a lot of that is because of the fall, and so we can't maintain balance. But also for this next portion that we're going to go into when we're talking about judge and do not be judged and all of that, and and how we tend to take that and put it also out of balance. Because we'll take that verse, not we like Casey and I specifically, (laughs) but like people will take that verse and say, judge not that you not be judged no one can judge me or like you, you know can't what I mean? tell like, me what to do exactly and we'll see that that's not actually exactly what jesus is saying he's not saying don't use any sort of judgment because that would be dumb to not yeah. use any sort of judgment And he says in other places that you should like right call out sin yes. and speak truth and love and yeah yeah so that word um the specific original word judge in this pat in this verse meant a variety, like a wide variety. Mm -hmm. So it could mean all the way from just like using personal discernment, which we know we should do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it could vary all the way to like a courtroom, like someone pronouncing a judgment Mm -hmm. over your life. So it's a very wide variety. So it's not like Jesus is saying, don't practice any type of judgment. And it's not like Jesus is saying, practice every type of judgment. Yeah. So we'll have to continue reading to kind of break 
down and like see exactly what it means because Jesus will explain it more. But I, I thought it was good for us to know like what that word actually means mm-hmm. before we go any further. What else about that? Yeah. So I heard in a sermon that here it specifically means condemn, punish, or criticize. Is what we should not It's do. what we should not do. Right. Yes. And um, when we seek to condemn, we are showing that we don't understand the forgiveness that we've been given. Which we just talked about last episode. Which is a very similar idea to 6, 14, and 15. That's, right. that's exactly what we were talking about. Like, if we are seeking to condemn these people all the time for what they're doing wrong, then we don't realize, like, you know what? Like, we do things wrong every single day. Mm-hmm. And... God has offered us like the ultimate forgiveness. So we don't truly understand what we've been given. Yeah, that's a good point. It's very similar to what he was saying and has been saying and will continue to say (laughs) through this whole sermon. Yeah. 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 And I think it's a good, like kind of a good checkpoint because I always have a hard time when everything Christians are known for in the world is their judgment over other people. You know what I mean? Like when yes. you meet someone like, oh, Christians are so judgmental. Like that's like something we hear all the time. And I think that's because we are out of balance. Some, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not not just Christians. Everybody is out of balance yeah. when yeah. it comes to this sort of thing. But I just, it made me stop and reflect and think like, what are, what am I and what are we known for? Like, are we more known for, this is what we're living for. We're living for God. We're living for, mm-hmm. to, to be like Jesus and grow more into his image and exemplify the fruit of the spirit. Or are we known for our judgment? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another way we get out of balance is yeah. if we focus so much on one area of, you know, this Christian life that we're supposed to live, like whatever that looks like. If we focus just on one area, then we're so out of balance mm-hmm. and that we should be known for living like Jesus, not known for calling other people out for not living for like not Jesus. For not living like Jesus. Yeah. 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 Uh, verses two through five say, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus here, I thought this was interesting. I read this, that he's shifting from more personal things like um, anger and worry Mm -hmm. and your own temptation with money and those kind of things to more relational. Mm -hmm. So he's now addressing um, like how we address one another and have. um, So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I've never really caught on to this, but Jesus doesn't say, hey, your brother doesn't have a speck in his eye. Like he's not like saying that that's not true that his point is that that first we need to take our log out then we can help mm-hmm. our brother because he doesn't say don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye he doesn't say pretend it's not there he doesn't say someone else will deal with it you know but he's saying first do this then you can clearly help them so he's showing us Um, he's expanding on what he said about not judging and he's saying you can call out sin in your brother's life and we should Mm -hmm. but first like deal with your own stuff (laughs) deal with your own stuff so that you can clearly do it with the right heart in balance for the right reasons 
not because you want to be holier than them or show them that they're wrong or anything like that, but so that you can do it the right way. Yeah, I was listening to a village teaching on this, and they brought out the point that um, the speck and the log are made out of the same material. Oh, that's a good point. And so that a lot of times the sins that we're most prone to struggle with are the ones that Mm. we tend to point out in others oh that's so true and I was like that is so true like if you if I'm prone to worry then I am going to point that out in others more or whatever and I was like wow I've never ever ever thought Mm. about that before yeah and so yeah like I I don't know I just your heart when you notice yourself wanting to correct someone else then you should take that and say Oh man, am I dealing am with I this? Am I dealing with yeah. this? Let me deal with my own. And then after that, like maybe I like really truly and then it makes a lot of sense too, because if you really truly deal with your own sin in that specific thing, then you can better help yeah. your friend if yeah. they're struggling with the exact same thing. But you can't help them mm-hmm. if you don't know how to help yourself with that thing. Yeah. Like if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um And I think it also helps us, I'm just kind of thinking about, I'm kind of processing all this out loud, but I think it also helps us really like kind of empathize because Mm -hmm. it's like, I have some things in my life, like, I mean, we've talked about on here before, I've gone to counseling and stuff and things that I've worked through in counseling. Now I can see those things in other people Mm -hmm. and like my heart wants to help them because like I genuinely know what it's like to be on the other side and how how it feels to be free of those things so I'm like it's gone from this judgmental like you need to fix that to this I want you to feel the freedom that I'm feeling right and so it really has made such a difference to work through my own sin and then I can like genuinely help others Mm -hmm. work through theirs yeah yeah so that's a really good point so practical. It's so practical. So mm-hmm. now here comes the confusing verse. <laughs> <laughs> verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So if you did your um, reading before, which we always encourage you to read the passage before we jump into it. So if you did that and you read that verse and you were like, what? Where is that coming from? You're in good company because we're both like... <laughs> Okay, so like, let's do some work on this one. Why are we suddenly talking about farm animals? <laughs> yeah, really? right, like, right. So my Bible said um, in the notes that these animals are ceremonially unclean, and they represent people that respond to the gospel with adamant unbelief. Um, there are people that we can continually, like, throw the gospel. So the pearl is representing the gospel. So we can like continually try to feed the gospel to people, um, but they won't get it and they won't be able to digest it just like the pigs and the dogs couldn't digest the pearl unless the Holy Spirit opens their eyes, Mm -hmm. unless it's revealed to them. So we need to honor God's timing and we need to have discernment Mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not saying like not to try and that we shouldn't share the gospel, but it's just saying have discernment and know like we've talked about in the past episodes like it's not up to us to force people to accept the good news of the gospel possible that's not yeah that that we can't do that yeah yeah I think this this kind of also goes into like you're saying discernment which is a type of 
judgment. Mm-hmm. So we saw, you know, that Jesus said, do not judge. And, and you showed us that that word when he's saying do not means do not condemn, do not punish, do not criticize. But now he's showing us these are some ways to use proper judgment. Like yes. By first dealing with your sin and then you can help your, your brother, your friend. And then this is another way by using discernment to know like, okay, I've shared the gospel or I've done this and now the Lord is saying, okay, this is not where I need to be right now or mm-hmm. what, whatever that looks right. like. Like, right. He's saying it is right for you to use that type of judgment or that type of yes. discernment. Yes. Um, so he showed us what not to do with judgment and then what to, to do. do. Yep. Okay, verses 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So does this mean we just get whatever we want or whatever we Heck ask yeah. for? Heck <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? No, no. actually it probably wouldn't be. <laughs> oh no, because we don't know what's best that's for us. Exactly. We definitely don't. Ooh. Yeah. So no, that's not what this means. Jesus has already established that we shouldn't focus on material possessions. So here we see that he is referring to what we need most, which is sanctification. Um, My Bible note says that uh, righteousness, sincerity, purity, humility, and wisdom. Um, And then there's also a parallel in Luke 11 that says the Holy Spirit. So once again, it's about how our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we even know we need it. Yeah. this is one of my favorite passages right here. And this was the first part of this was our memory verse from last week. There's a seed song that goes with it. But to me, it's just it's very reminiscent of the last part of chapter six where we talked about like, you know, God um, feeds the birds. He clothes the lilies. Like if he does all these things, how much more will he care for you? And to me, this is a similar thing. Like if if you as a quote unquote evil, you know, sinful parent mm-hmm. love to give good gifts to your children, think about how much more your perfect heavenly father right. wants to give to you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of reminding ourselves that this is not referring to getting whatever we want. No. It would be easy to twist that, right? Yes. And then, like you're saying, that that God, he is provider, and he is perfect, and he is fatherly. Like, we see that through this passage. I think it's a it's a really great practice that Casey and I both like to do is, as we read through passage, like, what attributes of God mm-hmm. are we seeing in that yes. passage? And in this one, it's very clear. We see him as father. We see him as provider. Father. We see him as, you know, wanting to give to us, which is sometimes hard for us to accept, Especially when what we're asking for and what what it's saying that we will receive is being more like him. So, Mm -hmm. of course, he would want to give us that. Yeah. 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 I was just thinking about his kindness, too, in this. And um, we're going through a transition as a family. And by the time this comes out, most people will probably have heard kind of our plans. But I was talking to this um, a teen that I'm mentoring right now and I was telling her her whole story and she said, you know, Casey, it's just so cool because God's showing you that he's not only a provider, but, but he's kind yeah. because the yeah. way he's providing is, is a way that just fills your hearts up so much right. and it's a way that you want. So God is not just provider, but he's kind. And wow. I was like, you go girl, like yeah. seeing those attributes of God. And yeah. so I just love that. Yeah, it's good. All right. 
verses 12 through 14. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do for them. This is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way that is easy leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So Jesus here is contrasting these these two different pathways, right? Like two different destinies. One is easy, but that leads to destruction, and one is narrow, and that's the one that leads to life. And I think this is kind of a, a confusing passage because it's like, okay, Jesus is teaching and teaching us things, and then he's like, and there's two paths. But if we take this back, because we're, we're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if we take this back all the way to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he was telling them. This is what life looks like to follow me. And this is, you know, it's costly. It's costly mm-hmm. because you don't get to do everything you want mm-hmm. all the time. It's costly because you have a, a purpose, and it's, you know, self-denial, and it's lifting up Christ, and it's taking up your cross and following me. And that isn't doom and gloom. It's not, it's for our good and our joy and his glory. And so he's reminding us like all of these things that I am telling you are to help you to stay Mm -hmm. on that narrow path. And you're on that narrow path. You're not falling off. There's no, like we talked about losing your Mm -hmm. salvation or anything like that, but he's reminding them that it's not always going to be easy. And that as we're on that narrow path, it's going to, look different than the people that are on the wide path. That's what I was thinking. It's very countercultural. And right. it's interesting that even 2000 years ago, it was so countercultural. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to always be that way. Um, and we can find comfort in that, I think, in knowing that we, like we've talked about before, like when we feel like we don't fit in or mm-hmm. when we feel like we're aliens here on this earth, like Jesus said we would be. So that, that can kind of be indicative that we're doing the right thing. Like Mm -hmm. if we feel like we don't fit in, maybe, maybe it means that we're on that narrow path and we're doing something right. So I like this. This is um, commonly known as the golden rule. Right. And Jesus is emphasizing not because the, the thought in those days was just don't hurt people basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you're doing great if you just don't hurt people. But he's saying here, not just do no harm, but do the most good. Mm -hmm. Like live humbly and constantly think about others. Like not just how you, how you can keep from hurting them, but how you can do the most good for them. I like that. So he's like, once again, that upside down kingdom, Mm -hmm. like let's not just scrape by, let's, let's do the best we can. I like that because I've been reading this verse over and over again. And it, and it's also, I think, in Luke and a couple other places. But yeah. we've been talking about it a lot with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I like the way you're saying that. Don't just do the least harm, yeah. but do the most good. Do That's the good. Most I like good. that. And really yeah, good. we've been struggling with that with our girls too, actually. Mm-hmm. Just how to truly love your sister. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, yeah, sure, you didn't hurt them. But really, were you doing what's best for them? Yeah. Probably not. Right. So, yeah. All right, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So I feel like this is a verse 
um, that we hear a lot. We Mm -hmm. hear a lot. You will know them by their fruit. Mm -hmm. But how exactly do we know what that fruit is? Like, how do we know what to look for? So we recognize false prophets and good and bad fruit by our scriptural lens. Mm -hmm. So you have to be in God's word for you to be able to recognize that. And we've said it before, but I I once heard, or probably multiple times heard Jen Wilkins say that false prophets depend on on us not knowing the Bible. Like they're going to say things to us that sometimes even sound like scripture, you know, and we'll be like, oh yeah, that must, that must be in there somewhere. And if you don't know the Bible, then you're not going to catch it. So the way you know what good fruit is, the way you know what a false prophet is, is by knowing scripture. I think we should at least acknowledge though, like just because you see someone sin doesn't mean that they're a false prophet. Absolutely. Because yeah. we all still yeah. continue to struggle with sin. Right. So I think I it's would more be called a false prophet <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but it's it's a pattern, right? Yes. It's like looking over their lives mm-hmm. and saying, Okay, this is not lining up with mm-hmm. what you're saying. And being completely unrepentant. Right. I talked to Cadence about that yesterday, what it means to truly you know, say you're sorry and be repentant, it means at least making an effort to yeah. do better next time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, the Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is a tough one. Why don't you tackle it, Aaron? Oh, yay. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, um... I mean, I think the first thing, and we've said this multiple times, because if you take any of these little things out of context, you can make it mean something totally different. So making sure we're keeping this in context with the sermon that he's already been, because we're, like I said, we're coming to the end of it. We only have a few more verses. So this is almost his like closing section here. And he's, he's reminding them, like, I'm telling you all of these ways to live, not so that you will do them as a checklist, not so that you're earning your salvation but so that you have kind of a guideline of this is what it looks like to grow to be more like me. And, and he's reminding them that if you do all of these things, but you don't know me yep. and you don't love me and you're not following me, but you're just doing these things as a checklist, this is what's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know you. Yeah. And yeah. so that that can be really confusing and not very clear on how to necessarily recognize an immediate difference in our lives right like so we may think oh well I know a lot and I do a lot but am I really resting in and trusting the fact that Jesus's life death and resurrection is what is saving me then you know I think it just it's reminding us to come back to that constantly come back to the gospel constantly reminding yourself okay I'm not worrying not just because I'm not supposed to worry but because of what Jesus has done for me. I truly and have that peace. Yes. Yes. So it, this is his conclusion of what he's been saying the entire Sermon on yeah. the Mount. Yeah. Is it's about your heart. It's about your relationship with me. And all of these things I'm telling you are for your good and for your joy. And there, it's not this checklist of things you mm-hmm. have to do in order to be saved. Is that fair? Yeah. And I think we have to remember the um, culture that they were in too. True. That's with a good point. The, with the, um, oh, what are Pharisees they called? Pharisees. The I couldn't think of yeah. the name. Yeah. yeah. You know, these people that, that knew scripture, they knew the Old Testament, they had all mm-hmm. of this knowledge, but 
that's exactly all that it was. It was all just head knowledge. They didn't really have faith in, in Jesus. Right. Um, and so I think he was speaking a lot to that, which, I mean, we see that in our days too, but I think it was just very, very prominent in their culture. And I mean, he's coming right off of this passage of talking about false prophets. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we have to yeah. keep that in mind too, that he, he is also referring here to false prophets, that it, false prophets, they, they are going to try to, they could be like, Lord, Lord, you know, look at, I did all this yeah. prophesying in your name. I mean, it was false, but I was doing it in your name. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is saying like, no, that's, that's not, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it sing the song that's what i was thinking <laughs> the wise man yep. built. yeah yeah um yeah so the the main point that i take out of this is that when storms come that's when we see what's what our foundation is mm-hmm. you know everything can appear to be like right and good and we have this like picture perfect house so to speak of our lives and then when the storms come that shows what Mm. we are standing on. Are we standing on the word of God and the truth um, of the Bible and the truth of the gospel and who God is? Or are we standing on this like knowledge and like you said, a checklist Mm -hmm. um, because that checklist isn't going to hold us during those hard times. It's the gospel that's going to save us and hold us and keep us during those tough, tough times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the last thing he says on the Sermon on the Mount. So anytime it's the first or last thing someone says, we really pay attention to it. Right. And I think, you know, he, it's like you're saying, this is the summary. This is the point. This is Jesus is like, do you finally get it? Yeah. Like, this is what I am your foundation. Yeah. I am what is keeping you. And um, I was reading some commentary and it was saying that as he as Jesus brings his sermon to a mount, Sermon on the Mount to a close, he's calling his audience to decide. He's telling them, you can either build your house yeah. on a rock or you can mm-hmm. build it. So he's putting That's it back good. before them of this is the life that I'm calling you to. And you, you, you know, like he said, it's a narrow path. It's not mm-hmm. always easy. And, and you, you have to decide. And it's drawing almost this dividing line of saying you can't be half in and half out. Like we talked about in some other episodes on the Sermon on the Mountain. This is a full life, full commitment, and and this is this is what he's asking us. Do you want to build your house on the rock, or you want to build your house? Be the foolish man. And I like that, like we have that option. Like he's saying, yes, it's going to be hard, but mm-hmm. if you stand on me, like you will, um, like you will be able to withstand the storm. You know, yeah. like if I'm your foundation, then I will get you through. Yeah, and that's so comforting. So comforting. So he wraps it up with, and when Jesus, or the Bible wraps it up with, and when (laughs) Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. 
So this is just saying, you know, that this is showing his kingship. Mm -hmm. This is showing that he had all authority. They had been taught for years by scribes, but it was obviously different to them when Jesus was teaching them because he has full authority. Right, right. I like that that he uses the word astonished. Like, I can just picture people like with their jaws dropped, like, (gasps) what? Yeah. 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 I wonder how long this was. Well, how long does it take you to read it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, good point. Good point. But it's it's described a little bit differently in Luke. So we don't know that this was, you know, he may have said some other things that's not recorded. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So as we kind of finish out this section of the Sermon on the Mount, I, th- I found some cool notes about this. This is from an article on TGC. But it talked about Jesus referred, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus referred to God as Father 17 times. As our Father, God graciously and generously forgives us, which we talked about in chapter 6. He rewards us, which we also talked about in chapter 6. He provides for us. He responds to our requests. And as his children, we are called to imitate his love, to pray to him, to trust him. Um, And he says, this is a wondrous gospel privilege for it is through Jesus's work on the cross that we receive our adoption to God's family. And all who come to the father through Jesus Christ enjoy his irrevocable fatherly affection in place of his wrath. Deserving to flee as enemies, we get to boldly draw near as children. And this is what the heart of it means, what it means to be a Christian and so we see, as we've talked about all of these specific things that, you know, we talked about how God is so caring to address all of these different issues that we might face as Christians. And he comes back and he's saying, this is, this is what matters. This is what the heart of it is, is that we get to draw near to God mm-hmm. through the work of Jesus. And I just think that's a really encouraging way to kind of finish this, this passage, which can sometimes feel heavy yeah. or sometimes feel burdensome, which it shouldn't, but it can sometimes feel that way, especially if we're, you know, struggling with one of the things that mm-hmm. Jesus is addressing here and just reminding ourselves like this, like we talked about, it's about your heart. It's not about a checklist. It's about that relationship that we get to have with God because of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, anything else we want to say as we close out the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, it is Jesus, but I think he did a pretty good job wrapping up his own <laughs> sermon. So I think we're good. <laughs> All right, we can let Jesus have the final word. I like it. I like it. All right, so what is coming up next week? Advent resources. Yay. We're so excited. We wanted to do an episode like this last year, and I think we kind of threw it in like the week before Christmas. Which so was people a little didn't late. really <laughs> have time to actually look at these resources. So we're going to give you a little bit of time, like a week or so, um, where you'll be able to just look at some of our favorite Advent resources. Mm-hmm. And so it's Christmas time Yay. so soon. We're super excited. And then after that, we're going to dive into a four week Advent series. Which will take us right up to Christmas. Right up to Christmas. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.